Hello friends, it's Randy. We're back. I'm actually really surprised that I've been doing this podcast for this long. I'm glad you guys are sticking around for the show. I just, uh, I made some beef stroganoff tonight. My first time making it in a long time. It's, uh, it's tasty and I make it pretty well. My only problem is it's so many ingredients that it's like, ugh, it's a hassle to make. And uh, today I did pretty well. It's probably my my best batch. No, yeah, probably my best batch. It's just that I, I kind of overcooked the pasta a little bit. But yeah, there's so many ingredients. There's, uh, I don't know how do you, you say this one. Uh, Worcestershire sauce? Worcestershire sauce? Worcestershire? Worcestershire? I put it into Google. Okay, how do you say it? Worcestershire? Worst, Worcestershire. 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 It's worst. Say again. Worcestershire. 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 But then it's like Worcestershire. Worst. Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> oh my God. Worcestershire. Worcestershire shot. <laughs> I'll try. Worcestershire. 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 I'm sorry. It's late. Uh, I can't even say it. Worcestershire. Worcestershire. One more time. Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire. 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 Worcestershire sauce. My problem is once you say Worcestershire, it's hard for me to get my lips ready to say sauce. Worcestershire sauce. Anyways, it has that in it. I. Uh, but it made me think about a few things cooking wise and just like uh, there's a lot of things I'm not sure if they go in the fridge or if they go in um, on the cupboard or in the pantry you know there's some things like I have sun-dried tomatoes I know apparently once you open it then you refrigerate you refrigerate it so that's why I started to do but I didn't do that originally I didn't know that that was the case which let me look up how about Dijon mustard does mustard go in the fridge I've had the Dijon mustard for a while I've left it in the cupboard is it supposed to go in the fridge let me google that Dijon mustard where to store to store your mustard let me just I don't know how to phrase it does mustard go in the fridge so you guys Where'd you guys put the mustard? Does mustard need to be refrigerated? According to French's, the product will generally maintain good flavor quality for two to three months after the date if refrigerated. While refrigeration will help maintain flavor, it's not necessary to refrigerate. If you prefer to consume your mustard at room temperature. But I use the mustard uh, for cooking purposes. About one to two months at room temperature, the mustard will keep its quality for about one to two months. Really? Really? Wow. I definitely have had that mustard out. Wow. I need to put it in the fridge. One second. (laughs) But it didn't taste bad. Like, I guess I I can't really taste it. It was mixed with a bunch of other things um, that I was cooking. I'm just going to pause it and put the mustard in in the fridge. Just a second here. There you have it. I put the mustard in the fridge. 
I usually put mustard in the fridge. Like if I get like French's or Heinz mustard that I'm going to use as a condiment for food, I put it in the fridge. But this was like a fancy Dijon mustard little, oh, I don't want to say can, can, sort of like a can or a canister. It was just a fancy bottle. So I thought it uh, belonged out. I, I thought I should leave it out. It didn't seem like something I would put in the fridge. So yeah, there's a bunch of like food stuff that I'm not sure about. Uh, what's your take on this? I I was always taught when you're preparing rice to wash the rice before you cook it. So that's my stance. So I did a little survey on my Snapchat and some of my other media. I don't have much social media. I've limited it. But I uh, I asked people if they wash their rice before they before they cook it and it turns out a good number of people don't wash the rice it's that's odd to me because if you ever wash your rice before you cook it there's a lot of dirt in it man <laughs> at least i like whenever i've done it you like you put the rice in into water and you let it sit for a bit and you kind of like mix the the rice and you see all like these like it turns pretty not brown but discolored all the bacteria or whatever like literally dirt it seems just floats up and then you drain it out and you do it again maybe two or three times and it just keeps on getting all this dirt that comes out of the rice i guess maybe some people i guess the the thinking is if you just cook it immediately it boils that but like man there's a lot of dirt and i think it's because rice is so popular and they're grown around the world like you're getting rice imported from china bangladesh all these different places i don't know if i don't know if it just goes through these different channels and just picks up dirt along the way and i don't know because i worked in uh i worked in i worked in the fashion industry guys i actually did and we used to get fabrics that came from asia and yeah, you'd open the package and because it's come from so far away, like, I'm not even kidding you, you'd find bamboo <laughs> in the lycra that we ordered. I don't know, man. I'm just saying, that's my guess. If you get like basmati or jasmine rice and it came all the way from India or something like that, had to go through customs, uh, the packaging. I just assumed that everyone was cleaning their rice before they cooked it, but apparently that's not the case. Another one I want to know about you guys is where do you guys store your eggs? You buy eggs from the the grocery store, you bring them home, where do you put them? Because I put them in the fridge. I keep them in the carton and I put them in the fridge. That's where I store my eggs. But apparently that's not the case for a lot of people. Someone uh, texted me because I asked, I did my survey about the rice and then they had a similar situation so they decided to text me to see what my take was uh apparently let me bring up the message okay so she's like uh random question how do you store your eggs or where i guess i put them in the fridge leave them in the carton doesn't everyone apparently not that's what she does too but my roommates all three of them store them on the counter Huh. 
I don't know, like, and then the, my, my question is, like, why, why the counter as opposed to the fridge? Like, I don't think it really, does it matter? Does it make the eggs taste better? I just always just assumed it went in the fridge because it's dairy and just all the dairy, like, when I find, I guess when I find things, here's my thing. I am a simple guy. <laughs> and I think I end up storing things the way I find them in the grocery store. So if they're in the cold section in the grocery store, then my mind just assumes when I bring them home, they need to be stored in that temperature. But I guess that's not the case because like stuff like ketchup, that's so weird. Huh. Is there like a rule of thumb to, to like, I guess you just have to read the label. That's so odd. How about this? Well, I guess everyone does it. Like when you, if you take something that, like uh, I, I bought sour cream and then I opened the sour cream and it has a seal on it. And then I rip off the seal and then I throw it out. Do, are there people out there who keep the seal? Do you know what I mean? Like that little like plastic thing. Do you just lift it up, open a bit, and then take the sour cream you need and then you put the seal back? Does everyone throw away the seal? I don't know, these are stupid questions. But um, I also uh, started thinking about traveling. I don't know if this is just because we're in lockdown, so my mind has gone to um, thinking about going to faraway places. I'm not, like I've never really traveled I haven't had disposable income in my, yeah, in my adult life to go on a lot of fancy trips. Uh, in fact, before the, the pandemic, I was going to go on my first like real vacation as an adult, you know? My plan was to go, I live in Montreal, was to go to Quebec City for a week. And I had plans of what I was going to do, had, uh, I wanted to go to uh, a national park. I think it's Jacques Cartier Natural National Park, which is just outside of Quebec City to check that out for a bit, do a hike. Uh, I already knew what hotel I was gonna stay at. And I looked up the sites, like what I wanted to see. There was like a museum I was gonna check out and I had an idea of what I was gonna do. So I, I think I'm gonna invest or plan to travel more uh, because my thing is, I don't understand when people go to, they go on trips and then there's the tourist traps. And I don't mean like restaurants, like I, I can understand going to like the restaurants that everyone tells you to go to. But like if you go to Chicago and you go to the Bean, like I don't get that. It does, or even if, yeah, if, if I went to Chicago, I wouldn't go to the Bean. If I went to, what's another fancy uh, I just don't want to go to like places where I don't want to go to the fancy attractions where I've already seen enough pictures of that thing because I've already seen it. You know what I mean? Like if I go to Italy, I have no interest really in seeing the Leaning Tower of Pisa uh, because I've seen it enough times where I'm just like, I saw the picture. Why am I going to go there and then take another picture in front of that thing? It, like I am when I think about traveling I think more about experiences I want to go to a place 
kind of like experience the culture to a degree and like see what it's yeah experience the culture i want to have experiences as opposed to take the pictures or see the things that's probably the best way to put it i don't know if there's uh there's people who agree with me on that so i'm going to start right now there's a few uh places i want to go i want to devise a list there's obviously in I, my goal is to do uh one year like alternate in in terms of visiting sites in canada and then visiting sites outside of canada because i think it's important to uh see your own country so let me start my my list here travel plans i don't want to say plans travel okay so one place i want to go um let me start with paris france which is actually the most i think it's france is actually i forget how you how they word it it's like the most visited place france the most visited country you think it was the u.s because there's a lot of different um places to see in the u.s but france actually takes the cake uh in terms of the tourism which is interesting but I guess that makes sense too because it's in Europe and it's easy to access from all those other European countries in the Western Europe and in Eastern Europe, I'd say. It's not as difficult to go as, as it might be to go uh, into another continent. I don't know. All right, so Paris, France, and what are the type of things I would want to do in Paris, France? My, uh, my parents, when they go to France, they go to Cannes because they're fancy like that. So I want to go to a, a beach. Let me jot that down. Experience the beaches, even though I don't like beaches, but like, I want to see what the fancy, I feel like that's what people do in the south of France. So I, I would like to go uh, to beaches in France. And so I guess maybe not Paris. So I'll put Paris, France, and uh, I'll put south of France separate. And I for these type of things, you want to, really spend a good amount of time there south of france for beaches paris what is the what is it that i really want to see in paris i hear the metro smells really bad and it's not that cool i guess I, in paris i'd just be interested in eating go to all the cool places to eat go to the places to eat and south of france would be beaches Go to places to eat. Okay. And then I'd want to go to England. Let me jot that down. And in England, what I'd like to do, what experiences, I would like to go to a professional football match. England. Uh, it doesn't have to be Premier League. But I'll jot down Premier League or Championship match. I'd like to experience that. Uh, that's a, okay, England Premier League or Championship match. I want to see, like, like the atmosphere because these teams are actually, like, have sentimental value to these people and I'd like to see that, you know? I'd like to be a part of that. Maybe I'd see a show in the West End. Let me, maybe West End. That's apparently the artsy district in London. West End London see a show okay got that and then uh i want to go to asia too so i want to go to south korea for sure uh 
I don't know the specific sites and all the things I want to go see in South Korea, but they're, they seem to be living in the future. So I want to experience that a bit. I was going to say I want, <laughs> this is, I don't take this as, as racist. I was going to say I want to go to India, but I, I don't think I'll be able to handle the smells. And I mean that in terms of people who I know from India and then Russell Peters as well. They, uh, they talk about the, the smells take time to adjust to. But I also have heard the same about South Korea that, you know, I guess a lot of countries you have to adapt to the smells. Huh. Interesting. So South Korea and then for Africa, I want to go South Africa. There's a lot of places I'd want to go in Africa, really. South Africa, Nigeria. To be honest, Congo, I've been there, done that. <laughs> I'm from DRC, Democratic Republic of the Congo, but man, I, I wouldn't want to go there for a vacation, you know? And it's, don't take it the wrong way, it's just I don't want to go. <laughs> uh, like, like my family's there, but in terms of like a tourist thing, all right, in South Africa, I'd want to go to, there's like a mountain that I'm supposed to go see. I think it's in Cape Town, so I'd go hiking and uh, South Africa. Um, somewhere else, where would I be able to go on a safari and see the animals? Probably not South Africa. The, where is the Sahara? Jeez, I'm really sounding really ignorant. That's why I need to travel so I can figure out, so I can see the world. But I really think traveling is good to not only experience, like I said, these events, but to to see how other people live, you know, and you learn a little bit about about society, you know. Ooh, Brazil. I want to go to Brazil, too. So these are places. I wonder how many, how long it'll take me to go to all these places. Brazil, I'd like to go to. Alright, I'll complete my, my list on my own time. Uh, what else did we have for you folks? I had something, um... Dude, this, this show's a mess. I'm glad you guys stick around and you support this, but man, you guys have a, what's the word? High tolerance for, I don't want to say mediocrity. No, but you have a high tolerance for me learning how to do this thing. Okay. I, uh, I love soccer. Soccer's my favorite sport, but I believe that, uh, video it's called what does var stand for but the technology is honestly ruining ruining soccer for me and i've had some arguments with people about this um what does var stand for value at risk no what is var in soccer var and oh, i can't even type var in soccer meaning so let me explain this. Oh, video assistant referee. That's what VAR stands for. Okay. So let me break it down for you guys. I'm sorry f for you guys who aren't sports fans. You guys can tune out. You can just turn off the podcast. <laughs> now, I'm not going to go too like crazy into it. Uh, but video assistant referee is VAR. And it's now being used in Premier League soccer and a lot of major sports leagues. And the reason it's been implemented is because in the past, Referees have made some big mistakes that changed the outcomes of very important soccer matches. So they've now included the video assistant referee, which is basically um, 
when there's a goal that's scored before they can like officially declare it a goal it goes up to the video assistant to see if there's any reason that goal should not stand and if there's a reason that the goal should not stand based on what the video assistant referee says then um the goal is annulled and uh yeah so that's the main mainly what it looks at and it looks at some other things like red cards I think like some fouls and some other things they'll ask the video assistant to take a look at or the video assistant will call the referee who's on the pitch and tell him, okay, you might need to take a look at this. There's a foul that committed, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I don't like it. I don't like it because the reason this was implemented, like I said, was because there were some glaring errors that were made. But now it's a, a blatant overcorrection and it ruins the spirit of the game. First of all, my first gripe with it is because of VAR, the, like fans can't even have the moments of passion that is involved in soccer, where you're, the game is going, and in soccer, goals are so hard to come by. Like most games might have two or three goals, um, and the game is 90 minutes. So goals are important in the game of soccer. So when it happens, the, the whole stadium, people around the world, get up, get up off their seat and they're like, yeah. But now because of video assistant referee and so many of the goals that have like been scored and then they've been called back for some of like the most flimsy reasons, as an audience member, you can't even celebrate goals anymore because you, you can see plain as day, a goal has been scored but you're like, oh, okay, now the video assistant referee is going to come in here and he's going to take away the goal over some like flimsy rule. So now most fans can't celebrate goals anymore. Like uh, a really exciting moment might happen in a soccer game. And before you can like jump out of your seat, your seat, high five people, you have this moment of like, okay, we have to wait for the VAR. So that aspect I hate. And then also it takes away the common sense. Like there's the, the human element of, just a referee seeing what's happening on the field and then on the pitch, excuse me, and then making a judgment. I actually prefer that than when we get the cameras involved and it becomes, it takes away like, um, yeah, it, it takes away the essence of the game. And you might not think that's a good argument, but there's one incident that I think um, really encapsulates this which I warned people about and it actually happened. So I'll talk about that. So the, the, the spirit of the game gets, uh, like I prefer the human element. And then there's uh, one last thing. All right, forget it. But let me just uh, explain what happened. So there's this game called the Merseyside Derby uh, in, uh, in England, in Liverpool particularly, where Liverpool, who's, which is a, historically a pretty successful football team, um, has a rival that's from the same city called Everton. Liverpool has won a lot of trophies, it's successful, they're the current uh, Premier League champions and they have, last year and the year before, they had a pretty dominant team. And uh, Everton is a team that's like lower uh, on the scale, it's a smaller team, but passionate fans, they're rivals with Liverpool, and Everton has sucked really for the last, let's say, 10 years, but now they've got a really good manager who's won a lot of uh, championships, and he's brought in some good players, and they're really looking to be one of the strongest teams in the league. So the game happens, 
and it's really exciting. Everyone's excited to see this match because, wow, Liverpool, the great big club against Everton, which is a club on the rise. Let's see what happens. The game does not disappoint. It's a very, very good game. But at the end of the game, for the most part, people aren't talking about how good the game was because we're talking about VAR. We're talking about the video assistant referee and some of the calls that he's made that didn't make sense or that like ruined the game. Each week in, in sports, if you watch the premiership, we're, each week there's another controversy because of this technology where before was not the case. You know, before it was just came in to, um, to really rectify a few errors and to rectify a few controversies. But now it shows up and it's making more controversy than um, it's actually alleviating it for them, if that makes sense. So the game happened, first controversy, in the fifth minute of the game, the best player for Liverpool gets taken out pretty badly by a bad tackle from Everton's goalie. And this player is the best player on the team, maybe one of the best defenders in the world. And now he's out with an ACL injury. But what happened was, they're in, uh, Liverpool was attacking and they're already up one nothing at this point, but Liverpool was attacking and the, the, the defender was in front of Everton's goal. He went up to attack. And when he was about to uh, score or trying to, yeah, trying to uh, score, the Everton goalie comes in and makes a ridiculous, like a, a disgusting tackle, a bad tackle, and takes out the player's knee, basically. And everyone saw it and were like, oh, sh that's a bad tackle. Could have broken this guy's leg. That should be a straight red card because it's in the penalty box. So the go goalie should be sent off and should get a red card. But... He doesn't get sent off. He doesn't get a red card because what happened was the defender was offside. I don't want to go into the details of the offside rule in soccer. Look it up. But the defender was offside. He gets slide tackled, gets a serious injury and in the penalty box. But there's no red card because they went to VAR. They looked it up and the video assistant referee was like, uh, the guy was in the offside position. So we're all looking here. All us soccer fans are like, okay, so what? If the guy's offside, you can punch him in the face? Like, how are you not going to give this guy a red card just because the player was offside? And so it was, a, it, was a, it was a mess, all right? And everyone's already mad about that. The game goes on. It's a very interesting game. A lot of attacking, a lot of defending back and forth. Um, eventually, Liverpool's leading, I believe, 2-1. to one. Everton ties it up 2-2. Two, two. And there's only a few minutes left in the game. Everton's like, oh my gosh, we got a good result against Liverpool. Our team is amazing. Within the last few minutes of the game, uh, Liverpool strikes back, scores a goal to make it 3-2. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, Liverpool did it. And then they look at VAR and they claim that this guy who scored the goal was... Uh, no, not the guy who scored the goal, but... Leading up to the goal, there's a player who was in the offside position. And then, they show, because it's a video assistant referee, they show you the screen of the images of how they like stilled the image and they look at where the player was and they have a line that shows where the attacking player was and where the last defender was and the attacking player cannot be uh, closer to the goal than the last defender. 
So they're showing the lines and everyone, we're all looking at this and we're like, and by we, I mean like the soccer fans and we're like, he's not offside. How is this? Like we are looking at these lines and we're like, how did you draw these arbitrary lines? Like there's, and if he is offside, he's offside by like millimeters. And this is where I, I've, I've gotten into arguments with people who I think don't watch soccer, or understand soccer enough where they're just like, if it's offside, it's offside. If it's off by millimeter, it doesn't matter. I think it does matter because the heart of the offside rule is, not the heart of it, but the offside rule, how it's written, is when there's a close call, when the referee cannot make a decision because it's too close to call, the advantage goes to the attacker. The attacker gets the benefit of the doubt. And the reason the attacker, and now here's me looking at the heart of the rule as a soccer player, the reason the attacker gets the benefit of the doubt is because like the, the attacker is coming in, he's not going to be able to make these split second, um, like he's not going to be able to, I don't know how to describe it. He's using his naked eye to judge when to run and when to uh, run past the last defender. He, there's no way he, he, he can, with his naked eye, make judgments of a fraction of a fraction of a of a millimeter, you know what I mean? So there needs to be a level of leeway in there um, so that, yeah, so that it's fair and that the, the attacker can still be able to move. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> but yeah, there's leeway there. But now with the technology, it's uh, alleviating, or it's not alleviating, it's removing that gray area of where the attacker should get the benefit of the doubt. And I don't think that's fair because there's no way an attacker like, are the attackers going to be coming like, uh, uh, are, are we going to have to be like, uh, like, uh, like swimmers where you have to like shave your, the hair on your body so that you're not like one hair offside? It's, it's ridiculous. But yeah, the, uh, apparently what the, the ruling was, was that the player's elbow was offside in the offside position. Um, and we're saying that, like, when you look at the image, look it up, Everton versus Liverpool, um, and, and it'll come up. First of all, the elbow shouldn't matter because it doesn't matter if it uh, has to be a body part which the attacking player would be able to score a goal. So if your hand is in the offside position, it doesn't matter because you can't even score a goal with a hand. But you can't score a goal with your elbow either. So why would it matter if your elbow's in the offside position? Like, it's hard for me to articulate it, but my point is just that this video stuff is not what we wanted. We just wanted goal line technology because that's simple enough. There's a sensor in the goal, did more than half the football cross the line, yes or no. That, that I can have a yes or no um, answer for. But the offside rule, you can't do that, man. Like, people are getting goals turned back because, like, their, their a toenail was offside. Give me a break, man. In soccer, it's just so difficult to score a goal. We can't be, like, nitpicking to that degree. Uh, it is just, I don't know, it's ruining it. And there's... All right, guys. I cut it off, man. I was getting ranty, man. I was just ranting about soccer, and that's not what you guys came uh, signed up for. So, uh, <laughs> uh, it fell off the rails at the end here, but you know, this this show is wild. Sometimes that happens. Uh, yeah, you guys can hit me up at how Randy feels at how Randy feels podcast on Instagram 
ask me some questions, maybe some things you want to talk about. And uh, I'll talk to you next time. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird ending. Uh, but yeah, talk to you next, guys. Ah, talk to you next, guys? Uh, you know what? It's just bye. Oh my gosh, this is a mess.